Okay, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Nailed It podcast. That's my company, Urban Restoration. Um, we're here in the Total Wealth Academy studios, podcasting studios. This is the show Nailed It. My special guest today, Broderick Norman. Broderick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Curtis. Impart some wisdom. <laughs> so give me a little background on you. West Point, uh, I learned something new about you the other day when you called me after I posted that picture of the big tall building sure. I'm buying in Galveston. You're from G-Town. From G-Town, I'm born on the island, so from B the rock. B-O-I, B from the rock. From the rock. <laughs> Um, okay, so how did you go from Galveston to West Point? Wow, that's an interesting story, story uh, Curtis. So I'm really from Galveston, grandson of a sharecropper, entrepreneur. And then at fifth grade, my mom moved me out. She's like, okay, Galveston's getting a little rough, a little bit of gang activity, everything else. So she moved us up to Clear Lake, which is interesting. Great place to grow up. Um, Shortly after that, I got involved in the agriculture program, was in FFA, and, and kind of did all that stuff. What did you do in FFA? So I raised steers, heifers. I had the grand champion steer at our local show, second in the state of Texas in livestock judging, and was all set to go to A&M. But then I got a scholarship to play. Well, I was recruited to play football at West Point. Okay. So I played football for Army, um, three out of four wins over Navy. Did all that. was all I could be, airborne, air assault after graduation stationed in the 101st Airborne Air Assault Division. And then I got out. And what year? I got out, uh, I graduated in 94, I got out in the Army in 97. Okay. Um, I was in 101st Airborne, as I said. And then I did business development. So my first job was J&J &J sales, surgical sales and surgery in the Bay, wow. Bay Area. Wow, okay. Which is great. In business. the Bay Area? In the, in the yay. In the yay. <laughs> in the yay. Okay. The whole nine. <laughs> so I was, I was in the Bay Area in 97. Got to see some of the dot-com boom there, and then I moved to Austin to kind of be a part of that. So I worked for a startup company doing fan, lo fan loyalty programs, really CRM, kiosk-based CRM okay. with some you know, smart MBAs, and we thought we were going to take over the world. So I saw Austin go from boom to bust, so 99 through 03. And that experience is, was really key to watch a city just kind of melt down, if that makes sense, right. with the NASDAQ. Right. And I was like, hey, I need to get some finance experience. Right. Because some of the decisions we made didn't make sense to me. And I wanted that hard finance background. So what was that journey like? So I went to grad school. Well, I interned at a buy side shop in Galveston as an equity analyst for a summer. Then I went to grad school at Texas, got my MBA in finance. From West Point to Texas. <laughs> From West Point to Hook Texas. Em. So I'm a Longhorn, yeah. All right. So I did that, and everyone said, hey, if you want to be serious about finance, you'll go to New York. Okay. And work on Wall Street. And you did? And I did. Where did you go in New York? So I went to Merrill, right? Merrill guy. And it's really key where you start because- That's the name of my building, too. What, the Merrill? The Merrill. Merrill really? Historic Building. Wow, okay. Yeah. So I started at Merrill, um, went to their internship program, got a full-time offer, which was great because I had a family. I went full time. I had a fellowship. What's the internship program? You're you're skipping. You're, I mean, I love the pace. The yeah. energy and the pace is great. People so, on here cool. will love that. The the internship program. Anything uh, like watching the movie <laughs> yeah. with Will Smith? Uh, it's a lot like watching the movie from Will Smith. So okay. it's a lot of different characters. It's some of the smartest people you'll meet. Okay, like brilliant, right? Um, and savvy, either or. So right. it's brilliant and savvy people. It's great. 
you felt really special or I felt really special because it's like, hey, you got these jobs that they only recruit from certain schools. And so very smart individuals. And then you go through all the deaths. I went through all the deaths and figure out where you belong. So one of the things that was key was the preparation to get there was reading the books like Liar's Poker and, and When Genius Failed and all these stories of financial lore, Bonfire of the, Van- uh, Bonfire of the, Van- of the Vanities, just getting understanding of what goes on in high finance. What did you make of the big short? Oh, it was great. It was good because it was very realistic. The big short and then margin call, if you've never margin seen Margin call is one of my favorite movies with Kevin Spacey. Yeah, is he in margin call? Yeah, he's the – that's when um, Kevin Spacey has to go – remember they bring him into the room? Oh, And yeah. they're like, you got to sell all of this before yes. like 10 a.m. Margin call – that that's yeah. the that's the flip side yes. of the big short that most people don't watch. Margin Call is a great movie. Yeah. If you haven't watched it, watch Margin, Margin Call. Margin Call is a great movie. The Big Short's a great movie. It's interesting because I was uh during two thousand eight, you know, two thousand seven in August when things first hit off, right? We're on the desk, uh the short end of the curve just blew out and people are like, What's going on? You're picking up phones, you're calling your buddies, going, What's going on? And then things settled down and two thousand and eight happened. The interesting thing about it is seeing like what you're going through and it, you know, trying to get is this, you know, which are the instruments that allow banks to trade, banks and counterparties to trade and how they had to go through that is the process. And, and it was interesting because I was working at the time at National Australia Bank and they were deciding to pull away from hedge funds. You're like, what? That's what I cover. So I covered hedge funds, pension funds and commodity trading advisors. So guys that were punting and, and making decisions as well as institutions that are making decisions. Best year in New York, what, give me an idea of what the, the take home was. So I wasn't there to really get the, the big take homes. Right. I just wasn't long enough. I'd say the key thing is your base was only a portion of your salary. So you're working for your bonus. Gotcha. So for in the time I was working for a bank, because I had my own firm for, for four years, it's 85 base, and and this is for a junior guy, two or three years in, and like a uh, $120,000 bonus. Wow. And and you're not happy. Yeah, because I hear that you work. What, what's an idea of the hours? So for me, on the desk at 6, off the desk at 6. And then how much time do you have your smartphone, computer? You can't, you can't have a smartphone on the desk. No, I'm saying once you leave, uh, how attached are you to information and all that? Can you shut it down? Or is it still like I'm still working, but I'm at home? Well, you know, it, you know, I went from being a broker covering institutional accounts to a trader, right? Or working at a small trading company. We found it. And your mind's always going because I was on currencies back when no one knew what currencies was. And so that market trades 24 hours. Yeah. So you're worried about stops or what's going on. So you're still like looking at what's going on in Asia and then waking up. As soon as you wake up, you're looking to see what's going on in London. So you never really turn off. Wow. So what made the pivotal switch to you to go from New York back to Houston and then get into real estate? So shortly, you know, the the quick version is in 2008, I started my own firm with a partner and we did well. And then he left and then I ran it for another year and a half. I moved to Texas to cut my my costs. Right. I'm looking I'm paying, you know, at the time, thirty five hundred for a condo, another grand and a half for an office. I'm like, I can run this out of Texas. So I move here for a month, and 
I'm here for a month and I'm out with my mom and my aunt still uh, no not a month a week and I got a call that the FBI was raiding the offices of my broker whoa and wow. it's PFG you can google it um, Russ Wasendorf and I'd gone out to visit his offices this is where I traded I wasn't integral to their company right? right 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 and so he had 200 million that the firm was supposed to have there's 100 million that wasn't there oh and 100 million can back a bunch of trades right right so they shut them down did they find out where the hundred million went? Was that oh, like on American Greed or something? Oh, it is on American Greed. Yeah. PFG. Yeah. Okay. So that sucked. Right. So they shut down all the accounts, everything else. I couldn't buy a hamburger. Wow. So I'm like, man, this stinks. So long story short, I wound up staying with my well, we wound up staying with my mom for a year and a half. And I said, you know what? I thought this is two thousand and twelve. I'd moved back here in two thousand summer two thousand twelve. And I said, Hey, I think everything's gonna go up from here and people are like oh people saying that for a while I'm like I'm looking at the charts everything's gonna go up because we had tried to short the market and we have from a pattern recognition st standpoint a failed pattern is just a bigger pattern right so the shorts weren't working which meant the pattern's not working the pattern's know. not working which means you're on a bigger pattern which right. means everything's gonna go up so I said you know if everything's gonna go up one I don't want to get into something that can be defrauded right because that stinks and two what's the most leverageable thing you can do Real estate, 100% leverage. Real estate. Right. I mean, my mentor, one of my mentors, Pat Rolls, always said, hey, it's good money, but if you're leveraged 100 to 1, right, it's just an asset that's highly leveraged. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do real estate. So at the time, what I did was I looked and I said, let's buy apartments. But okay. The problem is I'm not really handy. <laughs> okay. So I did this big model, and I'm like, let's buy this apartment, and and uh, Dickinson, and, and, and my confidence wasn't really high okay. at the time. And guys were like, look, you, you can't really fix stuff. Like, you have a model, but that, that's, you know, it's just a model. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do single-family houses. <laughs> <laughs> so I started wholesaling. Okay. So I went to, uh, I did one deal by accident, and then I was like, okay. I went to a meeting that uh, AC held. Yeah, Prosperity Group. Prosperity Group. And I looked around the room, and I'm like, man, I got to figure this out. And I'm like, no one's going to outwork me, and no one's smarter than me. When, when did you? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I go into that room a lot. <laughs> I, I've been in that room. Yeah. I've been in the room where I, you know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, I used to be close friends with AC. Yeah. I was close friends with AC, Joe Tomaselli, yeah. um, a lot of those guys. And then I looked at myself, and I go, am I where I want to be with the people who I'm surrounded by? And I think that they've carved a niche out for themselves. That's great. You know, it's great. You make a good living. Right. But I have aspirations that are much grander than, you know, just trading a couple of mobile homes or some single family houses and getting five to 15,000. Right. It's great. Right. It's great. You, you can make amazing money. I just have something different on my horizon. But that's a short order problem. Your first order problem is how do you eat? Oh. For sure. <laughs> so, like, and I, and I identify really, really closely with people that are there, right? Because it's hard for me. I mean, I got I got a family. I got a daughter. And they're like, hey, why don't you go get a job? You know, you have a top 20 MBA. Right. Graduated from a pretty good undergrad. And you're like, and, and we, live with, we live with your mom. I mean, that's pretty what tough. Did that, what did that your do mom? to your relationship with your wife? Oh, man. She was just like, you know, am I going to keep you on insurance? <laughs> you know, because she's working as a teacher. You know, my mother-in-law was like, hey, 
you know, it's great to have dreams, but, you know, sometimes you got to get a job. You know, and Friendswood's an area where it's, you know, kind of difficult for a kid to live with their grandmother. Yeah, for so, sure. So, but I wanted my story to be one of perseverance. Right. Right? I mean, that's, I, the cool thing is you get to write your own story. Right. Right? I don't want my story to be, hey, you failed, and you went and got a job as a brand manager at, you know, Frito-Lay. That's a cool story. Nothing wrong with it. But if I get to write my own story, it's going to be the story of the guy who got kicked down, knocked down, who lived with his mom. You know, you can imagine relationships don't really work well when you're broke. Right? They don't. Everything pops up, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted my story to be like, hey, this is the guy. Got kicked in the balls, right? Speak right. my language. Got kicked in the, well, got kicked down, knocked down, we, came we can, back. We can, you can say shit and fuck. Yeah, so that's my story, right? And, right. And, and if there's one thing West Point taught me is about perseverance, you know? I'm sure it did. Yeah, like I I mean, I had a little guy tell me, like, you will never graduate from this place. Okay, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a six-foot offensive lineman, right? Right. I'm small by West Point. Standard. I got a picture on my Facebook page. One of my buddies is like this tall. Right. And, and you're like, I mean, I started like three or four games. It's pretty cool, man. Pretty right. exciting. Your buddy's like, oh, you made it. You pre- yeah. So that's my story. Right. I mean, you got to no one can tell my story better than I can tell my story. And I get to write my own story. And at that point, my story is about the guy that figured out how to wholesale properties. Right. And 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 then from there we can build. But but that base of knowing how to hand to hand combat, deal with a seller, work through. That is what still helps me today. Just like, but at some point, oh yeah, I in your I journey, pivoted. okay, yeah. I if you just stayed there, you wouldn't have fulfilled your your heart your heart's purpose, right? right. Your passion, right? It, it it feels great in the middle of making money. You're like, yeah, I'm making some good money. Like for me in 2007, is uh, 2006 is when I got my license. I was married, broke, yeah, three months behind on my mortgage. I could either pay my mortgage. Actually, I was two months behind. I could either pay my mortgage or risk going to the third month. So I went, instead of paying my mortgage, I went and paid for the $1,100 to go to Champion School of Real Estate. Yep. And I got my real estate license that month. And I got it in four weeks. Yep. I then talked with someone at my church. Yeah. You know, because I didn't have mom and dad. My mom died when I was. 15, my dad died when I was 19. Done. No money, That's no nothing. So I I'm, I resonate with your story. You know, everything that people tell themselves today is an excuse. We only make two things, excuses or results, right? You have to wake up every day and go, I have a dream. What is my dream going to, like, what actions am I going to take to help me achieve my dream? And for so long, I surrounded myself with people who, um, and, and I'm going to give you much more credit because I haven't heard hard, uh, only one time if you reference a mentor, but rare is the person who has like a very small circle around them and they still thrive and come out of that. Number one, I am more of a person who has to kind of have like a support system. Right. That's the only way I can achieve anything. And it's been through kind of changing circles that I've even got to the point where I am today. Cause I really thought I was the shit for a long time. And, you, and then you're realizing, cause you meet someone like you that's doing big land deals or Mark Inyard doing these big land deals or, uh, 
What, what's the guy's name that created my house deals? Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, you look at him and he's doing, he, he partnered with Mark. They were doing these big land yeah. deals. And there's people just doing massive things that you don't even know about. That's why I wanted to bring you on right. the podcast. So I was like, holy shit. You know, I even forgot Broderick. And I don't even know his story of how he got there. Yeah. Well, I think what you're talking about is vision. Yeah. Vision. And I have, you know, my grandpa, who's very instrumental in my life, he passed away last January. Oh, sorry. Thanks. It was rough. But anyway, that's a rough ride. And, and, and I'm sure it was for you. But one of the things, I had an MBA. I worked on Wall Street. I think I'm pretty hot shit, right? Right. And so I go hang out with my grandpa, who's very sharp. And he goes, if you're so smart, why are you working for somebody? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about it. Ah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you're so smart. You got great degrees. He goes, I didn't have that. And, and I kind of had my own business. So you're so smart. And that always stayed in the back of my mind. Right. And what he did was he set me on a journey to find something that was better. And there were, there, there's some, like there's something that's better, that's beyond our wildest imagination. And so that was good. And then I had guys. I mean, I have some people in my life that have done very well. So from that standpoint, there's always a rabbit to chase. I mean. Yes. But, but I'm still comfortable with my story, but it's very humbling. But. You know, in my life, there's always been people that have, you know, hey, mentor, guide, everything else. And I think by having a good attitude and a sense of core values, just people come into my life. right? Like, oh, yeah, I'd like to help you out. Because when I got an army, someone told me something. They said, no one's successful unless a lot of people want to see you be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and read How to Win Friends and Influence People. Right. Right. Great book. First one of the first books I ever made when I got an army. And so as you as I go through life, you'll be surprised. People are like, Oh, you got great people that work on your team. I'm like, yeah, I'm just lucky. Right? But then people come in our life and then it's the game of leverage. We all know how to leverage money. But how do we leverage relationships? How do we leverage interactions? So what would you say your story of success is more centered by? The leveraging of the relationships or your leverage of intellect? Well, it's the math isn't hard. I mean, I, I mean, I have formal training. I think that helps. Um, I'd say, why pick? No, I'm just asking. I, I'd say which one. Which uh, one would you attribute most of your success to? I would say, I'd say it really comes down to to a uh, to a belief. An advantage is only an advantage mm. if you use it to your advantage. Mm. So you know, watching my grandpa deal with people. He had a really good way of interacting, right? And you see that from a guy like Eddie Gant. Like, it's hard not to like Eddie Gant, right? It's hard not to like some guys. They just have that gift of attracting you to them. Yeah. So use that, right? But, you know, when it comes to understanding a balance sheet and financial statement and things like what drives a business, use that. So I think it's both. Tell you know, me. A- I'm a two-tool <laughs> player. Right. I'm a two-tool player. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So for a two-tool like, two player, for everybody that doesn't know uh, uh, baseball, five-tool player can do everything. Yeah. He's got speed, power, <laughs> hits for average, can field and throw. So that's so, it. But it was like we're, Mark and I met the other day, and actually we just spent four, five days together. Just, where where did you spend it? Oh, gosh. Well, I went to have drinks, and then we wind up getting in a room and just hanging out. And then we went to – wait. <laughs> that, that story sounds so weird. They didn't get a room, room together. together. Yeah, like, we, got, we got rooms hung out. Where was this at? Uh, city Center. 
And then you ended up y'all. You stayed down here in Houston. I stayed down here. I live in Friendswood down yeah. south. I'm a south side player. Okay. And then we stayed up here to hang out. Then we went to look at uh, went to buy a car. And then what'd we, you get? I got a Mazda CX nine. Okay. And then I went to went to look at a property in Ennis. Okay. And then we went to Dallas, stayed a night. Then we went to look at Bulls in Oklahoma. And then we came back and we looked at what'd you do with Ennis? Um. I put it under contract. It's 75 acres and a house for 990. Okay. And this is a good segue. So from 75 acres, you can turn that into really quickly without doing any replatting. You can turn that into seven buildable lots, right? Yes. And then do you, what do you do with the extra five acres that you've got? Uh, If I take it down, I'll have to replat it. So I'll probably sell a house in 10 acres and then, then divide the rest out equally. Right, and so easy math is look for two to one, and then you're gonna net probably a 32% gross margin. 32 to 35% gross margin. When did you get into this? So I got into it in 2018. So I was, things were lumpy, right? So I was doing, I was wholesaling, and then I said, I wanna grow my business, so I'll rehab. That's not my core strength. It's not, because I saw you at, at, You were at AG's. Remember, yeah. you were at AG's. He was doing a walkthrough of his uh, real estate office. Real acquisitions yes. was in the Heights. Yes, you showed up there. I showed up there. I started talking, and I was watching you. You were writing everything down for fast. Oh, I was like, Project, what are you doing? That's... I you just look like a fish out of water. Like you were not meant to be the rehabber. Oh no, not at all. But I just couldn't. I I, I couldn't. I didn't know what your story was until. Uh, until 2020 uh-huh. or 19. When was I in Playa del Carmen and then you all of a sudden call and we're in the middle of 6th Ave <laughs> yeah. in your, or 5th Ave in, uh, in the middle of Playa del Carmen and I run into Mark Inyard yeah. and Will Denker and you're on the phone with Mark Inyard. I'm, I'm just like, the world is so small. Yeah. You were like, Curtis, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. All you guys down there having fun. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, how long are y'all staying? I'm going to be on a bird. <laughs> yeah, so I was, so what happened, I was rehabbing and I was wholesaling and doing well, but I couldn't, I couldn't leverage it. Yeah. And so, and I met Jason Bible and he was like, I'm selling my wholesale company. Like, that guy's fairly smart. If he's getting out, I don't know if I want to get in. <laughs> and I, and we talked about, uh, we talked about margins. We talked about, and I was like, man, it just feels like I'm just moving money from one side to the other. So I, I started rehabbing, and then I'm like, this is not my core strength. Like, I'm just not my, I mean, I have a system engineering track, but I'm not, which isn't even mechanical, right? I'm not that mechanically inclined. And so, and I wasn't doing well. Like, I had a deal, a house on some land that had 100 grand in equity. And Mark stayed at me. He's like, man, if you don't sell that, you'll never find anything better. Those deals are everywhere. But, but I have a hundred grand in equity, so I sold it and I lost money rehabbing. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I need to do something different. And he called, and I call him like, hey, if you have another land deal, I'm interested. And he's like, okay, I have one. About three weeks later, he called me, I have one. I went out there, thirty minutes down a country road, like that's too far. And I talked to some people like, you can make money on it. Did you know? I did some checks, and I was going to New York, and I was like, I told him I didn't want to do it, do the deal. He's like, okay, I'll split 175 with a partner. That's better than a wholesale deal. Right. And so. Wait, who brought you that deal? Mark. Oh, damn. So you and Mark, you got into your deal in 2018 from doing the deal with Mark. No, no, no. He sold it to me. 
gotcha. which is even better, right? It made me learn. If I'd have did with him, I could have just piggybacked off his knowledge. Right. So right. sold it to me and, and implied tasks that I'll help you work it out, right? And that's that's kind of how you carry yourself, you know, good guy, whatever. So I did the deal and I called two guys and I was like two two people that had lent me money and I turned them into partners. I said, well, f- it's funny because he said, don't put two people who don't know each other together in an LLC. I said, okay. I said, what are you going to do? Gonna put two people who don't know each other in an LLC. <laughs> and so each one put up 100. Um, and meanwhile, my, my rehab business, like I had to give two houses back. Wow. Like I was, it wasn't working. I was over leveraged. I was the best lender. Everyone loved me. I was making no money. Right. The only people who are making money is your contractors and your lenders. Yeah. So, and one deal had a hundred. I mean, they weren't bad. One I had never touched. It was pretty good. I had to give it back. Guy wasn't that happy. He probably listening. And then, and the other, that's the truth, right? Yeah. You I wasn't making money. I'm yeah, like, dude. It's fine. They're not like, oh, you got it. I'm like, I do not have it. And one, one guy's like, hey, there's a hundred grand of equity in this deal. It's great. And it is one and a half blocks from the beach. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm over my head. I got to give it back. Wow, and and, and he, it's his beach house now. Wow, <laughs> it's great! That thing's worth like six hundred. <laughs> so he's made like two hundred fifty, three hundred grand on that deal. So, but it's for, but it's it's where I was, right? It's knowing you know first rule of leadership: know yourself and seek self improvement. Like mm. I wasn't good at it. That's a good. That's a good nugget to drop. Yeah, yeah. I know who I am, right? And and that and it's hard when things are tough. Oh, it, when things are tough, you it, I. If you don't take a pause for a second, yeah. it feels like you're just, you know, you're just running downhill as fast as you can. And there's a ball, this mountain, you know, this boulder is coming down at you. You're just trying everything you can to stay upright and make it down safe. Right. And, and you know, the thing about leverage is it gets you where you're going quicker mm-hmm. or more quickly. Right. Both good and bad. Yeah. So. So I was like, hey, you know, I said, I'm going a different direction. Cool. You know, and so we started doing land and, and, you know, figuring out the nuts and bolts. And it was good because having a partnership or not a partnership, but having a relationship with someone where you can talk about things or I could talk about things. It, it allowed me to grow quicker and it allowed us both to kind of learn and flourish. If that so, makes sense. Yeah. So where are you at now? Where do you live? I live in Friendswood. Still I have in a ranch in Terrell. Okay. Um. I, I, I see a lot of your reels or a lot of your stories yeah. that you post about being on the ranch. Yes. And how many heads of cattle do you have? A <laughs> hundred. Damn. A hundred. Uh, about 90. Well, 90. Well, we, we're calving now. So I've registered cattle. So my daughter has uh, my daughter has a horse. Oh, really? Yeah. We have a horse. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have um, she was a pig. FFA. Oh, really? A, a pure grazer. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. We raised twice, sold both times for a thousand. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What'd you, what'd you show? Uh, Sci Fair. That's no, pretty competitive. Area. Show. Yeah. yeah. Very competitive. Well, let me know if she wants to raise a heifer. I got some. Yeah. Yeah. Hang a halter on them. She, um, she probably could raise a heifer. Um, it's one is where do we keep it? She goes to school now in Magnolia. She transferred out of Fair to go to Magnolia because the FFA program was so much better. I bet Magnolia has an ag barn at their school. They do. I'm just saying it's not. I mean, it ain't nowhere close to the barn at Fair. Fair's barn is like 
massive. So you're putting out in the universe, you need a barn to keep your heifer. We need a barn to keep the heifer. I think the universe will answer you. All right, good. Yeah. yeah I need a barn to keep the heifer. You didn't know I, you had a heifer before this. I, I, <laughs> right I need, before right, right, right. This is good. Yeah. I need a barn for the heifer, and I need a, a land to let the horse run. This horse is, man, this horse is super fast. Yeah. Alex is big in the horses. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some of them. And, and he's close by. I wonder if he would. Yeah, I should probably reach out to Alex. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a good one. Alex said no, he just got committed. Yeah, Alex, partially committed. Thanks, Della Tora. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, okay. So what do you think the investors today, what do you think, uh, what, what's the biggest problem for an investor? What type, What's an investor? Real estate investor. What's a real estate investor? person that is um, buying property. An operator or investor? Because I got a lot of investors. They don't okay. Do, they just give me money. Then let, <laughs> let's talk about the operator. Okay. The fix and flip. I'm not being I'm not being a jerk. No. But I'm just no, saying. No, no, no. This is good. This yeah, is good. Saying the biggest problem with real estate investors is probably like counting their money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you got a good, if you're an investor, and you got someone that knows what they're doing and has a process, I mean, the biggest problem is just where do you put your money next? There's, I mean, I got buddies. I mean, I got a buddy in Austin kills it. Right. Right. I mean. Got a buddy in Jersey City builds uh, mid rises. Yeah, does pretty good. Uh, so, to me, the biggest problem for the investors today, the guys who are buying the single family deals, is there is tremendous amounts of people out there buying single family homes. Uh, watching you and Mark and Will. I'm watching people that are going and Brant Phillips, you know, because Brant's doing RV parks or RV mobile homes. Y'all are going to places where the competition is less. Right. I woke up in 2022, Steve Davis, Total Wealth Academy. Yep. Steve had told me last year, he said, basically he was like, you think that you're doing big time stuff because you're in the Heights and you're doing these big projects. He goes, how much are you borrowing on? How much did you borrow last year for your four projects? I was like, I don't know, like two million, two point five. He was like, Do you know that you could have done less headache, the same amount of leverage, and you could have owned like sixty doors, right? You know, something like that. You know, he, he was like, yeah. You could buy an apartment. And I sat with that for a second and thought, Man, I don't really want to own an apartment. I don't want an apartment. But Mark put this in my brain when I was in Playa. Hmm. He said, what do you really want to do? Yeah. And I said, I want to be a hotelier. He said, so why don't you do it? Yeah. And then he showed me this little map in Fredericksburg and he's like, where do you want to be? I was like, oh, I'll be in Fredericksburg. He's like, why don't you buy 10 acres of land or 20 acres of land? I can't afford it. Why can't you afford it? Here's how to do it. He sat there and walked me through how I could do it. And then from then on, my wife has been on Zillow every single week because she listened to him when he was doing that. She was yeah. trying to find deals. Well, you think I'd say the biggest challenge to get back to your original question, where you're going is a great place. But to bring it back, the biggest challenge is one vision Two, when I first imagine running money and it failing. Right. And it's my name. So I didn't really want to partner. And I would say partner, partner, partner. Right. With the right partners, because money is created in the mind. And if you can make money, you can partner because 
the biggest question, the biggest problem is one, is really boils down to one thing, is knowing your numbers. Yeah. Because uh, is knowing that, your numbers. That is a problem for, for most investors is knowing the numbers. But to me, the biggest problem is competition. No. Finding for the people who don't know how to leverage numbers, the two tool player numbers in relationships. I always tell people, you know how you have a deal? The deal always finds the money. It's easy. So, no, so you're back to knowing the numbers, always knowing, knowing the numbers in relationships. You have to have those two tools in your tool chest. Right. Right. But I would say if you know, you're, it's knowing the numbers and then following the numbers. So competition is margin, right? And so the numbers will lead you to where you need to be, right? Because if you know the numbers and you know, okay, I know I do this, two, you know, it's third, everything else. Now you can figure out which fulcrum you turn, right? Which leverage you turn. Yeah, but I, it, it does. Where does passion play a role in that? Uh, passion is the thing that gets you through everything. So... I was, I mean, you're driving, right? You can't see, because really numbers are your, your gauges or your speedometer. Your, your, your numbers shift. have no emotion. They have no emotion. But then the passion would get you there before you fix it. Because I can tell you in order to get my book straight, it, it costs a lot of money, right? I mean, it, you know, 30, 35,000. And it's funny how nobody in real estate talks about the numbers, <laughs> right? No one talks about. In what way? Oh, my gosh. How do you set up your QuickBooks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you. So the problem that, that I would say the biggest problem that new investors hang out with, they talk about real estate like it's some magical business. Yeah. It's freaking business. I just made 15 grand not on even, this. Not even that. That's the top level. But what's your margin, right? What's your gross margin? What, what's your, uh, how many dollars did it take for you to get that lead? How many leads did you get to get this deal? Right. And, and you know, once you know those numbers, you, you can grow. But you can also get out of the business. Mm -hmm. Like, it's almost like when you go at the stop sign and you roll through and the cop goes, hey, you know, you didn't stop. You're like, but I slowed down. And he starts hitting you in the head. You go, you want me to slow down or you want me to stop? <laughs> you, right? it, you know, to me, what, here's, here, if, if I was, let's go back to AC Ramos. Yeah. If I was, because that's where we both started, right? Right. You were a wholesaler. I was a wholesaler. Will was a wholesaler. Mark Inyard was a wholesaler. Right. Chris Funk was a wholesaler. What are those guys, what do y'all all have in common today? We shifted. You're not wholesalers. Yeah. I caution people to follow people who are constantly pivoting. All right. I, I, or I don't, I caution them to, to watch the people who are pivoting who see the opportunities before they present themselves and make a pivot. I, it, I wouldn't be spending money or my time or energy or my resources with people who have been in the same position for 10 plus years. Yes. You may be good, but even Facebook pivots. Right. Right. And I'd say a lot of that is, is having the tough conversations and, and having, it's hard to talk to people and be real, right? Like, I don't, I mean, and say, hey, this is what happened. Like, you asked me, and I said it, and you're like, wow. Like, he really told me that. Like, it's what happened, <laughs> right? So, yeah. Well, no, I just yeah, think, that's I, my story. I think no bullshit is, yeah, is what people relate to. Yeah. Everyone can relate to failure. And someone else always told me, never invest with somebody who hasn't 
failed. When they failed, then you know that they know how to protect money. Well, the thing is, trading actions, if you don't know what you can lose, you can lose everything, right? Like, it's, 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 it's when it comes to making money, one of the things when we're trading is we said, let's just manage the risk, right? And it's, it, it's almost like if you look at an equity guy, a guy on an equity desk at, at a bank, and he says, oh, I know everything about the stock. I know everything about the stock. I know the stock. It goes down half. I'm a buy it because I love it. It goes down half. I don't want anymore. <laughs> but then from a macro standpoint, a debt guy's like, what can go wrong? Because I don't know everything that go. Like, I don't know 9-11 is going to happen, right? Right. There's right. things you, I don't know COVID's going to happen. But if something goes down, you know, we get out and we figure it out later. So if you, if you apply that to, I guess, houses, it's like, one, is knowing your numbers and knowing when something's wrong. And two, if you know your numbers, now you can tell other people, hey, here's what we think's going to happen. And let's go see if we can do this together and, and do it, do a 200,000. My first deal was 200, you know, now I'm buying 2.6 million, right? But the 200 is where I started, and now we have 10 million under contract. Uh, just cancel, like 7.5 million under contract to buy this year, and we'll sell like 3 million this quarter, right? Or 3, 4. But that is knowing your numbers. And when you're, as you grow and you pull in other people, sometimes having partners are great accountability. Right, because they go, hey, I mean, Ryan, Ryan is one of my partners. He's like, hey, you didn't send me my financials, which I'm like, okay, well, Ryan DeGeneres, yeah, uh, not to talk all my business, but yeah, he's like, hey, you didn't send me all my numbers. I'm like, oh, okay, I forgot. Here's the thing, but it's good when you can push a button, balance sheet, P and L, yeah, and if you can't, Ryan's big on uh, QuickBooks. Well, everybody a, should be big on QuickBooks. A, he's a QuickBooks ninja. Everybody should be big on how do you how do you run a business if you're not 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 you. But if someone on your team isn't good on QuickBooks, and it's okay to be bad because if you don't admit you're bad, no one's going to help you. I'm horrible at QuickBooks. And and just to be truthful with you, I don't even own QuickBooks. How I do each one of my houses is I open up a sub-bank account underneath Urban Restoration LLC. The deposit for the draw comes in. All the money and expenses go in and out of that bank account. And I have my tally right there. So all my checks, everything that was spent right there. So the CFO of McDonald's, you pull him on your podcast and he tells you that. What are you going to say? Oh, that's a big difference. The CFO of McDonald's is running multiple franchises all over the place. So you don't think you're going to grow your business? No, because I know that I'm getting out of that part of my business, but I'm trying to hire somebody to come in that is actually QuickBooks, uh, I'm yeah. trying to. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to pivot. I'm yeah, I would to pivot say there. So that is key. like if you ask me, the biggest difference in growing my business is knowing my number. And I, it's hard because everyone's like, "You got an MBA in finance." I'm like, "I'm not an accountant." Right. Right. <laughs> I'm good at finance. An, Horrible an, accountant. <laughs> big difference, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a huge difference. Yes. So I and I just say, you know, I have a friend and I. We've just gone through fixing that and and and. I would talk, I mean, because he's helped me get into business, and he's like, oh, my books are great. And he's like, oh, and then we share that resource, and we get great. And then now you know your business because I can tell you, you know, it's hard to have a conversation like a, like my P&L. I moved my P&L meeting around for this meeting. Oh, right? thank it's this you. afternoon. Thank you. So it's hard to have a conversation on P&L, like quarter over quarter and month over month when you have a balance sheet. It's hard to pull gross margin. QuickBooks is like gross margin, right? And that is when you go to someone and say, "Hey, I want two hundred grand," or you like your apartment deal, like you're dealing Galveston, right? 
And they say, how have your deals done? You go, well, you can say with confidence, I normally do about 25 to 30%. I think this deal will do the same. You know, everything, it just changes the conversation. It does, 100%. And that's the reason why this podcast came about, because I posted, I made that post. Yeah. And then you responded on that, and you were like, hey, dude, do you need a partner? Yeah. You know, and I think, to me, I wanted to bring you on because there was something that resonated in my post that I made. I think that I was trying to achieve something big, and I think you resonated with yeah. that. And so I was like, why hadn't I even thought about bringing Broderick in before? Because he's doing big things on his side. Yes, yes. But You're I, nailing it on your deal. We're just trying, man. We're just we're lucky. Yeah, you can't get an attaboy away from me. I mean, I'm not going to give you the aw shucks. Good job. Just just a little country boy trying to make it. Oh, right? whatever. So yeah, and we've. I mean, I've struggled. I have a business coach that's helped me out a ton. I mean, you know, I you know he's been with me three years, and you know it's good to have someone to bounce stuff off of and get a you know a unique perspective. That helps a lot. I mean, I would say business coaches are great if you have a good one. And they're like accountants. You may have to go through a couple to get a good one. Um, so eventually it's creating a team. Uh, you know, your thing says, Jay-Z, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Right? So you as a business, for pe- I mean, I am- dude, you're immensely well, talented. Yeah. You're, Im- you're, you're amazing at what you do. Right? Mm-hmm. But, but sometimes our strengths, like me as a finance guy, yeah. it, 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 your strength can be a weakness, right? You're like, hey, I'm amazing right. at this. Right. And so if you... If you round that off, dude, there's no there's no reason you couldn't be dominating. And I'm sure you are. Oh, yeah. I'm, but but your talent is amazing. Thank you. And that in the hospitality, I got a buddy that does hiring their Airbnbs out in Blanco. And he's got your talent. I don't have that talent. Like, I can't go in and design stuff. It's just not what I'm good at. It's just something I like. Yes. It, 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 for for me, it's, it's easy. It's like you looking at yeah. heifers and stuff. You just know all of this. I know the time in which they're going to give birth. I know, yeah. like, like you just yeah. know things that I can't see. Yes, but now you become a business, right? And a business has, you know, a CFO. It's got, like, you know, I have a decent, I mean, I have a team of nine. I, I brought in uh, uh, Brian Burr. Yeah. Brian Burr is probably going to be my CFO-ish yeah. type person. Yeah. He just understands syndications he understands uh putting structure together he owned a business he sold that business um i i just know this ryan de janeiro and i did a we we did some sort of like a business seminar thing and they had you do this little profile right and they had him do the profile and it said curtis curtis warden will be successful but never invest money with Curtis if he is the CFO. <laughs> yeah. Well, it said he obviously, he honestly shouldn't even be the CEO. Well, the challenge is, one, that doesn't have to be your narrative, right? Because there's crazy people that do stuff. All yeah, but time. I should not be. CFO drains all my passion. Yeah, you don't have to. Well, you know, I have a buddy who's uh, he's director of corporate strategy for Apple. Right, mm-hmm. and what he told me is he's like Steve Jobs. It's crazy. Cause I'm like, you know Steve Jobs? He's like, yeah, I know Steve Jobs. I'm like, wow. He was like, I sat him. It's crazy, right? And he's like, that guy could go from accounting to marketing to ops, whatever. And then we have another guy who's really smart. I'm like, you know him? He's like, yeah, he's no Steve Jobs. I'm like, that's okay. So there's a lot of, and he runs a big company, like a big company, public company. So you don't have to be Steve Jobs, but 
to sit in a meeting and you can come if you want to come hang out with us you can come to, I mean I don't offer that to everybody but you can come hang out in the office and I'm smart I'm not crazy smart I'm like I'm just a hard worker like I have a high pain threshold you don't have to be crazy smart but I don't have to design stuff like you no you don't I don't but I can still be successful at designing I can hire somebody who's good so you don't have to be finance like me right but if you start tweaking stuff, people oh, will be amazed. Like you'll be like, "Oh man, there's an apartment bill, or, or a hotel, or high-end Airbnb." And now there's so many different avenues and information shares so quick. There's no limitation on what we can be. I am. I, I, I'm just excited for what 2022 has in store because I feel like I swung for the fences on this deal, and and I'm out of my comfort zone. Who do you have mentoring you? Uh, uh, the guy, uh, his name is Tom Schwarmick. He's uh, out of Galveston. He's, okay. Uh, he's he's like the Galveston, like he knows everyone on the Strand. He is offices on the Strand. He's attached to almost every building. Oh wow! He sources and finds the deals. That's good. His, his name is Tom, Mister Galveston Real Estate. Oh, cool. Yeah. So like he is a broker. And so he knows every building, who the ownership went to, what they sold the building for, what the best, highest in use of, of that building is. I mean, that's are you why. Gonna, yeah. Are you going to raise capital for this this deal? Yeah, that's what we're doing right cool. now. Awesome. Yeah, we're we're ra- we're in we're in capital raise. We're trying to raise a hundred percent of the construction cost and then roll straight into a four and a half percent thirty year uh, loan. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you talked about. Uh, Mentors, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a buddy, Jim Young. He's okay. graduated me from West Point, started as a commercial guy, and he does, it's weird, he started as a broker like you, and now he does huge deals, right? He's building a $100 million deal in San Antonio. And that's been great because those guys, and it's weird to say, it's weird because I'm like on my table, but we're on a, on a freaking podcast. Right. So my buddies will go, hey. That's what the podcast was supposed <laughs> to be like, real conversation between two dudes. So one of the cool things is my buddies will go, or hey. two do people. You, yeah, do, do you want to see my docs, right? Right. So, so he'll send me his docs. Or it's good to have someone who's raised capital because a lot of crazy things happen when you're raising capital. Right. Like you may have people want to jump down in your GP, and it's great to know how that conversation. Like, uh, this is GP. Maybe I had one guy for credibility or to sign on the loan, but everyone has LPs, right? Or like when I first did my deal, I did it with two partners, right? And so I was talking to Mark, and he's like, oh, gosh, I was talking to a guy, and he's like, what are you going to do? A third? And I go, a third, a third, a third. And they're like, nope, it's too much work. It's 50-50, right? Your work is 50, the LPs are 50. And one of the things we never, the word we never use is syndication, right? Just like a couple guys putting money in. I mean, on a deal like that, I imagine it's it's whatever. But you know, it's cool to have someone. How much do you think it, it uh, the the construction rehab is going to be on that building? I don't know. What is it? Seventeen thousand square feet. Uh, two of the floors are completely um, blank. What what is it? It's an old four story building. I'm going to be down there today at at three o'clock. I'll be in my PNL me. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be back down on what, Thursday to show it to investors. So what? What or well, t- potential people that want to be a part? How much are you raising? I want to raise seven hundred fifty. Okay, how much? How much equity? How much debt? Um, that would be uh, okay. So the the property is at one five, one point five. Okay, and then the, so uh, that would be 
225. right? So you want to raise 750 of debt. Debt. No. 15 of debt, 750 equity. There you go. The opposite. Yeah. No. So 750. It's a 7.5 cap. Okay. Have you proformed everything out? That's 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 what we're that stuff you need help. Literally, no. That's what we're going down today. To I don't have the floor plan yet. I'm trying to build out the floor plan. That's my biggest concern right now. Is I'm going to go look at someone else's uh, condo or building conversion that they're turning into luxury condos. Yeah, I'd say so. From our standpoint, um, we try to anything you do. Buddy, my always says, anything you do, the you know, anything you standardize, you can repeat. Yeah. So a lot of it is, I mean, I think you have an idea of what you got. If you put on a contract, you have an idea of what it's going to be. I have an idea. What's that number? Oh, probably like three point one to three point six mil. Is what it's going to be worth all, after all said and done? After all is said and done. So I'd say it's almost like a. Someone told me a while ago is when you Efren. He's like, whenever you see someone doing a rehab and they're taking pictures of the floor plan and everything else, you know they're losing money, <laughs> right? <laughs> losing money. It's just about the numbers. So I would say, if they're quick, taking pictures of the floor plan, it's just like it's 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 an analogy, okay. right? Or it's it's a quick, it's it's all about the numbers, right? It's all about the numbers. It's all it's all about the numbers. If that's the case, get in the numbers and get someone. And I don't know. I mean, I'm just giving you my advice. It's free, whatever. Absolutely. I mean, I we've been able to grow. So. It's all about the numbers. Get someone that's more comfortable with the numbers with you who well, likes you. Yeah. Oh, that's 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 what I've got. Okay. I've got that part. Okay. Uh, that's where I brought in Brian. Brian is not enamored at all by um, design. He doesn't care about the design. All he cares about is the numbers. Okay. So uh, no, I mean, and, and then I'm bringing in other people that want to be, you know, play a role, be a part. Yeah. In whatever form or fashion. In the, the GP or the LP? Either one. I think that there's enough skin in this deal for a lot of people to be fed. I mean, the the building down I'd, this. I'd say, I'd say think about, I mean, you're not going to do one, right? No. Okay, so when you're doing multiple. So that is a, that's a loaded question, really. And you got to see what personality you want in a foxhole with you. Right. So what personality you want? Hey, I can I can ask them questions. Like they'll be very front with me, everything else. And also bring the, the ability to add a financial strength. So like if, when you choose your GP, I'd say have someone that can sign on the note. Absolutely. So so yeah. that's not whatever. There's criteria. Right. 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 So one, they have a good financial background because that's where you do. And two, they know how to grow something. And three, they can they're they're willing to help you get financing. Absolutely, I, that's what I would say are key parts of like building the the house, and and I would say link up with someone who's done that and kind of show you like if you want I'll, I'll show you how we do it and, and and all and what's worked for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Broderick. Cool. Thank you for coming on, my man. Be. I hope that I appreciate helps. it. Oh, hey, any information is good information as long as there's information. <laughs> A lot of people just talk and I'm my role in putting together deals is to see the vision of what the thing could be when it's all done. What 
what I bring in other people for is to say, is it worth the time for him to do that? I've already been offered. This is how I also know it's a good deal. I've already been offered 500 grand just to sign the contract over to someone else. And I just keep looking at it. I mean, bringing on this deal has been about, um, I, I think that the biggest, uh, the biggest issue that I, or not issue, but the biggest, um, difference between me today and me when I started was that 500 grand, I would have eaten on that and then bought a car and then done all these things. And now I'm looking at it going, do I want to release 500 grand now and lose all of the information and contacts and everything that I'm going to gain going through this? Or do I want to get to where I'm doing this one, the next one, the next one, the next one? Because the next one's going to be more expensive. Well, it's cool to have fire and grain in your pocket. Just be clear. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. And, 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 and there's another deal out there. Yeah. There's absolutely. Now, Galveston may have sentimental value. I'm from, it has sentimental value for me. Um, and you I was want, born on the mainland. Yeah. So you may choose not to lose that. But, but if you tell your investors, hey, here's what happened, whatever, and you went to another deal, it also cements you as a guy that can find deals. Yeah. Right. So that is, that's the talent that we bring. Yeah. That's the secret sauce. Yeah. And, and, and you, you got the secret sauce. <laughs> I have the gift of gab. Yeah. I will tell you when I contacted the, the, you know, the agent, he was like, golly, man. He's like, I had, I don't run across a lot of people with your energy <laughs> on the phone. Hey, nothing in life is achieved without passion. No, no. no. You got to go out and get it. And yeah. people can tell in your voice whether or not you're scared or yeah. whether or not you're excited. Yes. I mean, what would you rather? Just, when I'm flipping a house, I always want the the seller or the buyer to bring me something about them personally yes. and what attracted them to my house. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if they give me that in a multiple offer situation, I always ask for three things. Give me your your um, your best and final, why you want the house, and I want you to tell me the things that you that you love that you fell in love with when you first walked in. Right. That's it. It's a good story. Because then I know who to pick. I I want them I, I want them to to tell me and show me why they want the house. Because then I know no matter what comes back on that inspection report, they're already in love. That's awesome. That's awesome. How many houses would you say you do, you know, a month, a year, or whatever? Oh, that's a good question. So I did around like 386 houses from 2007 till 2013. Is that getting more competitive now? Or? I've built 47 brand new houses. Wow. Since then. A lot of them with Ryan. Some of them by myself. Wow. And now I'm doing custom construction for people. You are? Yeah. You do, do. it on in county? I'll, I'll go, I'll go where the money is, gotcha. right? Yeah. I'll go where the money is to do that. I'll bring and leverage my guys. But like, you know, I just had to turn down a deal. This lady called me today, a $500,000 build. And I'm just in, she's trying everything that she can to get this big monster house built. And I met her parents. She brought her parents with her to uh. the initial demo meeting of the old structure and her parents were talking over me 
Her dad was constantly throwing dad jokes out. Um, and her mom was constantly asking questions. And they live five doors down. Wow. And so I had the conver- tough conversation with her today, which was, I don't want to do your deal. Yeah. How are the margins in that business now? Uh, 15% margin and probably like, I don't know, seventy to $80,000 for a GC fee. That's pretty good. Yeah. So what, what, so in that, I do, I do a, I, I do a fee base, uh, and a cost plus model primarily before this year, I was just doing fee base. So if you come in and I'll build your house for 60 grand and assuming that there's no change orders, eight months I take per month, it's on my, you know, it's on my bid. It's got eight months or 240 days, 60,000 bucks divided, you know, 60 divided by whatever. That's how much you're going to pay me. If your changes cost me more time, you're paying me every month. So are you still going to run that business while you do your new business? Yeah, it's easy. I've already got the crews down here doing that. And plus I drive, I'm driving, you know, I'll probably end up staying. There's already a, uh, there's already a unit there ready to go. That's got a kitchen and a bedroom and living room, you know, a washer and dryer and all that stuff. It's already there. So I might as well just go ahead and keep that unit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Just going to keep the unit, uh, do the work. Hopefully it, uh, It'll start kicking out some more cash. It's already kicking out cash right now. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's spitting out eleven thousand a month. Wow. So it's a seven cap now. Yes, eleven thousand a month. Why wouldn't you do that deal? Even if you just hold it, it's already like yeah, you could do it like a covered ground play. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah, and it's right next to our favorite candy store. <laughs> like yeah, is it L.A. Kings or La Kings? La Kings. So does that mean I have a place for Mardi Gras? You have a place for Mardi Gras. <laughs> you have a place for Mardi Gras. It's a you know uh, I met with a guy who told me we we were trying to end those, the podcast like an hour ago. <laughs> I have a guy who told me a good story, and I'll, I'll finish this. He said, "Hey, he said, uh, he said uh, having a friend with a boat, and not asking him if he's the boat, is no different than not having a friend with a boat." <laughs> he goes, "Maybe he'll tell you, screw you, you can never borrow my boat, or you can never borrow it every weekend, or whatever." But he said, uh, having a friend with a boat, not telling, asking for the boat. It's like not having a friend with a boat. Biggest misconception mm-hmm. is uh, having a pool in your backyard. You'll use it every day. Yes. Big misconception. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. Having a pool in my backyard, my kids haven't used it as much as I thought that they would. The, the one person who does use it is my wife. Okay. And as long as she constantly is sending me these pictures of her <laughs> lounging in the water... I'm good with owning go. the swimming pool, but everyone said it would be the biggest, you know, oh man, you, you, you better mistake. rent. Yeah. You, you I should hope rent that's it. the biggest mistake. You but what I do it. love about having the pool yeah. is the sound that it makes when the water is rolling over. Yeah. Building pools is another thing that I've been. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. I, 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 because when people are doing these custom homes, yeah. they don't want to have a relationship with you for eight months and then have some new person come in and destroy their backyard it's easy yeah. to do everything under one full swoop. Yes. So I just do all my own pools now. Cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Come see me on the strand.
I oh will. Oh my gosh. Let's see here. All right. Thanks everyone for Thank watching you. the podcast. Thank you again, Broderick, for showing up and, and dropping some knowledge. I hope that helps. Absolutely. Let's do it. Thanks. All right. See you guys on the next show.